Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. I'm Luke Martin and I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. TRCT is the peak industry body for the Tasmanian tourism industry in the beautiful state of Tasmania. If you're a regular listener to Talking Tourism, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener and enjoy today's episode, remember there are now more than 100 episodes of Talking Tourism Conversations available from wherever you access your podcasts, or you can simply stream them on the TRCT website at trct.com.au. We are recording this podcast today on the lands of the Palawa and the Pakana, and TRCT offers its respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people, their elders past and present, for their enduring care and management of these beautiful islands. Today's episode is brought to you by our partner, McDermott's Coaches. McDermott's Coaches are Tasmania's largest coach tour and specialist tourism service provider, supplying tours, transfers and coach charters for large and small groups around Tasmania and interstate. They offer the local knowledge and experience of the McDermott family, along with over 50 staff, all of whom are committed to delivering great service. Thanks to McDermott's Coaches for their generous support of TRCT and for helping to make this episode of Talking Tourism possible. I'm joined by Chris Davis, General Manager and Principal Advisor at the Van Diemen's Project. Now, Chris is the first person we've had on the podcast in two years in a row, which means later we're in for a bit of a surprise for regular Talking Tourism listeners. But g'day, Chris. G'day, Luke. Thanks for joining us again. No problem. We are recording this episode at the 2022 Tasmanian Tourism Conference, which you're about to deliver a workshop on about business, commercialism, and effectively making money in really uncertain times. Making more money from your tourism business. Okay. So first off, explain to us, for those that are not aware, that the Van Diemen Project. Who are they? Who are you? And, and what do you do? So we're a business advisory firm based in Launceston. We work statewide. Uh, we have a team of subject matter experts, each are specialist in their own field. Uh, we're undoubtedly known for working primarily with small business and startups, but we do work with larger business and local government and a whole range of other people. The two things that we do at the moment mostly benefit for small business will be the Australian Small Business Advisory Service Digital Solutions Program, which is a low-cost um, advisory program right across the state where businesses of less than 20 employees can access low-cost one-on-one um, business advice with a range of advisors right across the state. So, so there's there's that one. And the other one that we're doing at the moment is part of the Bushfire Recovery program that occurred a couple of years ago. Money's just hitting the ground now. We're, we're about to run a series of two-day workshops in five municipalities across the coast. So Flinders Island, a Breaker Day, Glamorgan Spring Bay, uh, Southern Midlands and Central Highlands. We'll be going into the, each of those regions and working with businesses through a workshop situation and then followed up with one-on-one mentoring. So they put what they're learning in those workshops into practice. So there's a whole range of ways that we're helping business at the moment. Is that about resilience and About resilience, but we'll actually run through problem solving. We're running through the numbers in your business, in a session on marketing, how to pitch your business, how to pitch yourself. So so we liken it to, and it's for startups or for existing businesses. So for existing businesses, we say it's a health check. And for startups, we say it's a reality check. So we're testing those ideas out and peer-to-peer learning occurs and there's a whole range of benefits from working in a group like that. So how do I find out more about that? So if you go to vandemanproject.com.au um, or pick up the phone and give us a call, 6349-1919, and we'll happily walk you through that. And even though you're a hundred, you're very much Launceston green-grained, you're working statewide, it's obviously, working, those workshops. Working so. statewide. Business partner Adam's off to Hobart this afternoon to do a program with the disability sector. So, yeah, we're very much statewide working with businesses right across the state. Yeah, okay. So part of that advising small businesses, one of the issues you'd be familiar with in our sector is that we have... Uh, so many small businesses that have an outstanding concept 
a really great product and it's a hard slog getting those numbers to stack up. Usually they can be slugging away, they'll be absolutely nailing the product proposition but it's just that conversion into making a viable commercial businesses. How often do you see that happen? All the time. And, and through lots of different sectors, but tourism is really, really one because it's it can be asset intensive, and we do need a bit of money to start it and get it going. So it, it can it can be really frustrating for business owners there to do that. And what we often see, though, Luke, is, is people go a bit gung ho, the bright shiny thing that happens over there, and I can't really criticise for that because I'm a bit guilty of that for myself. And we go like a bull to gate and do things without sitting back and having a look at the full impacts across our existing business and, and having a plan and developing a plan that how we're going to do this in a strategic context to, to make things happen. Where do you think the moment comes when a business puts a hand up? Is it they, they start off the concept, they start developing the product and is it when they're down the rabbit hole that just too far that they put the intervention or when do you when do they come knocking on your door? We either see it right at the very start or when it's too late. When you want to see them. Right at the very start yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that we can sit there and talk about before there's too much capital. So, so what we think and we get in love with our own ideas and, and we don't talk to our customers or, or we, who, who are really our customers. So we need to actually do that. And what do they think? So we see people going to market with something that's not really what the customer wants. And that's really frustrating because it's a good product or the theory of a good product, but they go to market without actually talking to any customers. And we need to do that minimal viable product, that language that we hear out of the tech world. We need to bring that across all sectors um, so that we p- people go to the market. They're talking to customers as early as they possibly can. It's extraordinary. I mean, it's the con- one constant thread and we're an industry that by nature just relies upon people being entrepreneurial and creative. I mean, you effectively got this raw product, which is beautiful Tasmania and all of its its uniqueness. And the tourism industry is ingrained in this cult you know, about individuals with passion coming in and saying, I'm going to do something that's a little bit unique and sell a product that's based around that experience. And in the number of times you see businesses for every raging success story like a Blue Derby Pods ride, which conceived out of nothing. And uh, um, you get so many others that have equally great, really unique ideas, but they just can't quite get that no, commercial proposition. No, it, it, is, it is really frustrating because you see Blue Derby being a really classic example of something that's, that had a bit of thought to it and it had community stakeholder input in the early stages and it built and, and – but it also talked to customers. It found a problem for customers, world-class mountain biking in that region and then the businesses that have done really well as a result of what's occurred there in Derby are those that have actually saw what the customers have needed and the types of people that have coming – and moved on. The other thing I think we see a lot is people sort of that won't work, go with the concept that won't work because they suffer a little bit from imposter syndromes. And as Tasmanians, we, we do that a lot, um, and, and we we undervalue things a lot. And and in, in looking around, because unfortunately, like many Tasmanians, I I don't stay in accommodation in Launceston. I lived here, so. But, but this year I've spent a lot of time on the Sunshine Coast um, for work, and uh, I looked at accommodation over the weekend. What was the value of accommodation in Launceston? And it's dirt cheap. When I'm going to the Sunshine Coast, I can't find anything under 200 bucks a night. Here in Launceston, in the middle of school holidays, there are 50 properties available that are under 200 bucks a night, uh, including the building we're in. Now, that's we're undervaluing that to, to high heaven. It's 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 we need to actually put a proper price on that, um, and, and really sell value for what it's worth. Um, I remember back in the 90s between after I'd sold my first business, I was selling advertising in Multimap and I was on the east coast of Tasmania and I drove up a driveway and all of a sudden there's this huge, beautiful building at Bow Morris. From memory, it was Tasmania's first five-star B&B. And the guys were saying that they'd opened it 
we can't get anyone to book. And being the 90s, 75% of tourism that come to Tasmania, they book via a travel agent. No Airbnb in those days, no internet. One of the selling propositions that Travelways and all of those was, was an internet presence that we started to have. So they were getting people and they were selling at 120 bucks a night, but no one was pre-booking. Mm. Everyone that drove up the driveway stayed because it was a magnificent property. You made the decision, you pulled in, you're ready, but they've already got them by the hook. It's just uh, how much are costing and Yeah, and they were still saying 120 bucks a night. So so my advice back then was to go treble your prices. And they've gone, I can't get them at 120 bucks a night. How am I going to get them at 360 bucks a night? Well, there's a perception value here. Your target audience is in Melbourne or Sydney. And again, we're talking now mid-90s. And, and 100, that they're used to staying in the Blue Mountains or at Dalesford or in the Yarra Valley, and they're paying 300 bucks a night for, for a high-quality property. And they look at your property in 120 and they go, there's no trust level here. There's, there's nothing there. So, so we, I convinced them to, to, to double their prices. So they put it to, to 250 a night. And I rang up about six weeks later and at 250 a night, they'd started getting bookings from travel agents. And the reason why the value perception of the customer was that they could actually... So, so first-time business coming into right now, so I've got a great idea for a, a product, a tour operator in central Launceston and I'm going to do outstanding heritage walking tours around the city. Um, I think my idea is great. I'm a wonderful presenter. Tick, 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 tick. Uh, it's going to make money. What What's the process that you would advise them straight away? When you say price it accordingly, know your market. What is What are the three or four th- questions they must test before they go and open up their, their first tour booking? Is your customer really the customer that you think it is? So you really need to understand that. So what is their expectation? So, so how big is the market? How big? Well, yes, it does. Sometimes we don't need a really big market. Sometimes we just need to be a really niched market and, and priced accordingly. So we're only selling. I mean, Apple products is a really classic example. Yes, they've invented themselves into a huge, huge conglomeration, but they made did all right before the the iPhone and the and the iPod with with Apple computers that were luxury items, but still did a good at the luxury end of the because they understood their customer and they still understand their customer today. If we're starting out with that heritage tour, what is the customer expectation of that and what can I do to solve the problem that they have and then build the product that exceeds that problem? So the, every customer that comes, mind blown. So that is that is the biggest, one, the biggest way to be able to do that and price it accordingly to be able to do that. Price People buy for a whole range of reasons and price is only one of them. They, Particularly in the tourism sector, they're here for an experience. And in Tasmania, that experiential tourism is is what we're here for. We are undervaluing it no end. All the visitor stats are showing that we're uh, we're, we're absolutely streaming head on spend yield the high volume. And it's clearly cashed up Sydney ciders, New South Wales. Even though the economy's tanked, we also know that people have got massive amounts of savings, particularly at that part of the. Uh, of the, the demographic and they are not going overseas. They're coming down here. There is money washing through. And again, it's it's clearly those products that are that are pitched at the high level, the ones that are seem to be forging ahead at the moment. Pennycott's a really great example. The the, the tools that they run are, are not low end tools. They're not cheap. But they're full. Um, so, so for those people not offering uh, offering that premium product, uh, and that's not saying there's not a not a place for a low value product, but I don't think in the Tasmanian context we actually value the product and the experience we do offer in a, in a valuable way. We need to up values. Yeah, the interesting dynamic we've got at the moment is this separation between the local market, which has 
frankly kept our head afloat over the last two years and you know, we were woken to the fact that there's a billion dollars of Tasmanian money spent around our visitor economy every year and for years we've taken it for granted. Well, we're never going to be taking that group for granted again but the Tasmanians have a price sensitivity as locals that's very different to our interstate markets. And to I think a point. It, you think to a point? To a point. Yeah. To a point. We, we had a client this year that, that was there – Third year of summer tour business, venture tourism uh, a business. We did some geo-targeting with them around clients. Best year ever. Yep. 90% local. Yeah. Um, but because we'd actually targeted and we'd identified the customer, geo-targeted their customer via social media. I imagine they had a very niche product that appealed to a particular demographic that, community. Yes, yep. that's exactly right. So and, and they had a, a 200% increase over to 2019, which was their first year of operation. 2020 was a little bit of a ordinary year for them, but 2021 summer was was an amazing year for them. And to the point where we had a conversation uh, leading into last tourism season, were they going to go ahead? And our advice was, yeah, you've got a great product. You've got great reviews. What's it cost you really to get? You've done the expensive bit. Let's 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 run with another season and, and see where they go. Now we have a business that's go off and running and, and can't wait to, to get going again for 2021. But again, we understand who the customer was and we targeted those customers at a price point that was profitable. Let's extend this out to existing businesses. So established operators, we've got you know, obviously dozens and dozens and dozens of businesses that across the state have had a really well, dozens, hundreds of businesses have had a very difficult couple of years. Their cash flow is tight, mm-hmm. uh, even if they have had a good six to 12 months. Um, you don't know what the damage the last years are carrying through. If Cash flow at the moment. Yeah. How are you advising businesses, particularly in our sector, that's still an element of uncertainty? We've still got a degree of seasonality, particularly in the regions. How big is cash at the moment in terms of businesses' ability? And, and is it cash is always king? No matter what business you're in, cash is always king. And I suppose the one thing tourism businesses have that predominantly, and yeah, there are outliers such as the the alcohol producers that that, that wear that wholesaling product and a whole range of things where that that they're relying on invoicing. But primarily in the tourism industry, they get money in as as the experience happens, as they, as they incur, in theory, as they incur the expense. So our, our number one thing is yeah, cash is king. So so do that. But what we've seen and what I've seen for ever and a day is we don't match our outgoings with our incomings. The seasonality bit of it, it's it's unfortunately something we need to live with. Just cashing up in, in summer. Ca- ca- well, and, yeah, then, and, pay, and, and paying your expenses while you've got cash. Yeah. So, so if you've got a piece of equipment that you're, you're paying 12 grand a year for or a debt that you're paying 12 grand a year for, so in traditional lending that's 1000 bucks a month. Mm. What, what I'm saying is, well, okay, then why not pay it off over six months, still pay the 12 grand a year, but while you've got cash, yeah. pay it. So you're not using – your overdraft is to get you through the end of the season to the next season. It's, it shouldn't be there or, or credit card or whatever you're using is that debt debt recovery. It's that last month that just gets you through yeah. that you're using that. We're seeing businesses using – because they're not matching their outgoings with their incomings – is there. So t- we understand our business is seasonal. Let's run it. Agriculture's done it for years. <laughs> They've where, where dairy farmers got four or five checks a year, vegetable growers with the same sort of thing. Tourism businesses need to need to be doing exactly the same thing. So and under that that scenario, when you have a really good year over a bad year, it's usually the shoulders, which is effectively where you would be wanting to make the hay if you're yes. having a good that's exactly so for example, right. example, so you yeah. always bank on that you're going to have a strong summer. Yep. We've we've kind of established the the credible mass. Yep. If you're running a long term business, you'd be you'd expect to know what your numbers are going to be over those four months between Christmas and Easter. Those yes. traditional months. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Zero. So we're saying there's zero as much of your outgoings as you can when you know the cash is coming in, and then 
the winter months, have that lag, either completely minimise your expenditure. Some businesses close up and go on holiday. Yep. That's another story altogether, but <laughs> but, well, well, but some obviously do that. Yep. But just try and try and see if you can wait. wait say can, negotiate and find a way to minimise that you're going through those quieter four or five months. That's exactly right. To minimise the going into debt to pay for debt, it, 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 it's dumb business being able to do that. So so by that, if you if you pay a little bit more while the cream's coming in, and then less or nothing if you can. And most financiers will look at that. And if financiers don't look at that, well, then maybe it's time to yeah, look at a new finance. Someone else. Ma- ma- so that's the obvious question. I mean, <laughs> we know in a lot of our businesses are long-term, particularly the accommodation yep. operators, probably the same financiers for 20 years, 10, 15 years, never tested the market. There isn't a willingness and an openness from creditors to be able to consider those kind of negotiations or <laughs> well, you need- if you again that depends on the quality of your business Luke. it it, it really does I mean, yes there are there are those people with that if the accommodation providers that are asset rich and maybe not too highly leveraged yeah lenders lenders still need to make a buck so they will they will lend that then the book's not completely shut those that are really highly geared yeah that was that's that that's got that will continue to hurt like it did at the start of COVID before JobKeeper and that started coming to head. And, and the other thing we need to be able to do is, is make sure we have our books up to date all the time. And that was a big thing at the start of twenty, the start of COVID. We had people coming in before JobKeeper was starting and going, hey, I don't know whether I can survive or not. Well, let's 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 get into zero or MIAB or Reckon or whatever you're using for your accounting software and have a look where you go, I haven't done my books in 12 months. <laughs> um and, and and as a business advisor, your first thing you do is go, mate, go away and do your books or, or or find someone to help you get straight and then I can give you advice because otherwise we're only giving guesswork in that. And, and that's the number one. I, I, I said match your outgoings to your incomings, but keep your books up to date. you got to do it. How often um, do you see that? You seriously see that on regular currency? Two out of three customers will be at least three months. <clears throat> I, I would be amazed how much if the ATA start charging <laughs> late bass statements is <laughs> how they're going to great revenue raiser. Uh, we did a survey of um, – this is a market opportunity for you. We did do a survey of the industry recently and asked for what are the professional services they most wanted and uh, accounting came up up the top. So there is clearly a gap out there. The other issue we're going to have over the next 12 to 18 months, and was, this was an issue pre-COVID, but it's going to multiply because as we you know we unpacked that there is a market that are willing to spend more, put a high value proposition on, on Tasmania, we've got businesses that are on um, very short-term cash flow run operations, mm. yet we need to reinvest. Yep. You know, the, the scale of a tied product or indeed tour operators who are, have a great idea, but it's that decision whether to buy that second bus or employ that extra staff. Yep. Your process for advising businesses about reinvestment. Yeah, okay. Then. So, so working capital is really – it's a luxury I know for lots of businesses, but having a working capital is – is is um, the likelihood of growth grows exponentially, and I, I have the same. If you want to grow your revenue by fifty grand a year, you need to have sixty grand worth of cap worth of working capital. Yeah. Um, and, and I realise that's a that's that's people go scoff scoff at me. Oh, we can't do that. Well, right, but it's inhibited to growth by not having it. Because if we go out and leverage ourselves against the debt, and it takes and, and use traditional debt mechanisms to be able to do that, well. We it takes time for those projects to come on board, whether it be the bus that takes twelve months to be delivered, or whether it be the extension High of expensive it's, trying it's, to get traders to do that. Reno. Yeah, the, the whole range of different things. There's a whole range of costs that go for no for no revenue return. So you've got to wear that cost as a business. And this is where the, the state governments, to be commended, 
with the uh, current loan schemes that are available with that, with the interest-free periods of, I think it's up to three years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. for that, and that's an un, that is a huge resource. Oh, I think people fully appreciate. So, I, I don't understand what, why. I mean, and, we, it's it's nuts. Um, and also, it doesn't affect your existing financing. No, they'll they'll look. Yes. As long as it, as long as it all stacks up, they're not. It's not going to affect your existing borrowing. That's exactly right. Brings projects on. Brings in. The problem is, is getting cards trades to actually do that capital works program mm. if you're going to do that. But, but it is. It is, yes, if you're in a tourism business at the moment and you're looking to do something that's unique and something that's different and you've got your plans right and it stacks up, you need to be talking to a whole range of advisors to go, well, okay, and there's plenty of help there for low or no cost. Mm. Uh, If you've got less than 20 20 FTEs at the moment, there's a whole range of help there for both Australian government funded and Tasmanian government funded that people need to be taking advantage of. And and each one of us that are advisors um, in that space will really happily talk you through the process. And and then there's also the assistance of the capital at the end. That's exactly right. You can get your advice to support assistance. But that's a build build the pitch to the government, to to, to, to the the financial is and we see people come in, oh, they, they don't believe in what I'm saying and I'll go, I'll read the business plan and I'll go, yeah, I don't know what you're doing either. <laughs> so so no wonder, this is a pitch. We, we need to actually be able to sell the process to be able to do that. So so get some get some help if you're thinking about a project, get some help and whether it be through us or whether it be through Enterprise Centres Tasmania or whether it be a whole range of other people that have your local accountant. If you've got a good relationship with the accountant, sit down with them and, and go through but have a plan and then pitch the concept in a in a way that someone wants to buy it because the, in this case, uh, the financier being the government, they want to believe in it. They want to believe in your vision. You need to have that vision articulated. Okay. And the third group of businesses right at the end, they, they, we've got a lot of operators who have been through Living Health the last two mm-hmm. years, are tired. They, their business is their super, particularly yep. some of those accommodation operators. It's, they've concluded that it's time for them to move on and yep. maybe another summer and then and then look. If you're thinking about succession planning in, in your own business or yep. or indeed putting it up for sale, what are the sort of steps you should be doing now? And so we're, we're recording this in August. Yep. We know we're going to have a bumper summer. Yep. Um, hopefully make hay over the next six yep. to 12 months and then perhaps look at going on the market next year. What would you be advising them to do right now apart from perhaps get their books in order? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's that's number one. Get your books in order. Have a decent plan and a decent vision that someone else can buy into as well. Uh, and then get your socials and your website presence up and running because people will be looking. And, and whilst, um, I mean, whilst a business broker might, might put it on the market and go, oh, it's a business and mightn't tell you who the business is, people will find out really quick. And, and who that business is and it, it's a process of elimination or, or people like me get involved, we'll, we'll hear things, we'll go, oh, I know who that business is. And and um, so get your business looking fantastic, not only from an asset perspective as the building and the and the rooms and all that type of thing, but get your website up and running. Make sure you've got your reviews, your reviews happy, uh, happening online. Get all those intangibles because that's what goodwill is. Goodwill is no longer for the for the hotel, the not, not building the hotel next door because – we can all create something out of uh, out of whatever. And um, so do it now, the night to 12 months. No good doing it the um, when the brokers come in and said, oh, you know, you haven't updated your, no, trip, do, your do, trip advisor hasn't had a post for six months. What's going on there? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. And, and you haven't engaged with anything, any of the community that's actually tried to engage with Google reviews. You, you've got 50, 50 Google reviews sitting there you haven't reviewed for reviewed of or TripAdvisor or your social media posts. You haven't responded to any of them in the last 12 months. Well, there's no goodwill. 
that's for me when I've got a client and they're looking to buy a business, that's the type of thing we're looking at when they're looking at goodwill value. It's it is that type of what is the online presence? What is the online va- asset value that you have there that a new owner can come in and be excited with, excited about and grow with and go, I see the vision for this business. I'm going to pay that price because that price. If they if that's not there and they've got some good advice, well then they're going to come back hard the opposite way at you. And devalue your business, um, so so you're not going to make the most of your opportunity to get the maximum you can on your on your investment. And then if that's your superannuation, your earning capacity is probably, and you've been about for 25 years. <laughs> um, but exactly right. It just, I mean, the number of products you see that have been on the market for a long time, and there's a common denominator amongst them, which is that it looks like it's a product that's been left stale. Yeah. It's it's there's no sense of positivity about it. There's no you know, again, as I say, whether it's the online presence or just the paint job on the front of reception, just so it feels like it's you know it's a bit of bit of vision around the side, as you say, or care yeah, or love. It's just yes. and unfortunately, it is probably because the operator's absolutely exhausted and yep. they're just trying to get their yep. their head through it. Um, they have but, to fall in love with it again for for the short term, yeah, so that they can actually get get out of it. And when we have that conversation a lot about with people about falling back in love with your business, so that someone else can fall in love with it, because it's far easier to love something that's loved than love something that's not. And what you're actually doing when you're selling your business is making someone fall in love with it. So, Chris, we've covered all three cycles of the of the business cycle. So for let's just recap. For a new business right now, uh, setting up a tour business, so great ideas, great vision, it's about knowing your customer and pricing it appropriately. Yes. For a, a business that's currently in the middle of trying to get through a really uncertain but um, opportune, opportune time. It's about make sure your outgoings, your cash flow is solid yep. and having working capital to be able to reinvest. Yep. And for a business that's at the end of the perhaps of the cycle and looking to transition or to sell, it's about making sure a, your books are in order. We'll just keep reminding <laughs> people of that point, Chris. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and fall in love with your business again and make sure that your your passion for it uh, shines through the when you are going through the sale process. That's exactly right. And understand it's a short-term thing to, to, get, it, to get it over the line. Any other last pearls of wisdom? Oh, I'll save them all for my, my session today. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, now, I did say well, we're in for a little treat because you are my guinea pig, Chris, because you, you did this podcast about 12 months ago, which means you answered the big seven questions that I know are must listening for people who listen to Talking Tourism. So we have frantically done the next big seven questions. Um, so you are a guinea pig and we'll see how these play and I'm sure I'll get plenty of feedback about these questions if they hold up. You ready? Please, please don't judge me, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> don't judge the questions either. We were quite rushed in how we come up with them. Uh, your favourite dining spot in Tasmania and why? Uh, Brisbane Street Bistro, just just across the back fence here where we're sitting right now. Uh, amazing young, young couple that own it. A great, great place to do it. Food is always, menu is evolving and changing all the time. It's always different. It never, never lets you down. Great wine list. It's a great place to go. I'm going to hasten a prediction and say that there would be no city of 100,000 people in Australia that has the dining options of central Launceston. Totally, totally, seven or eight gems. There's probably more than that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Most interesting place you have stayed on holiday. So many years ago, and it wasn't on holiday. I was on work working trip doing doing the same trip I was doing talking about the East Coast tourism. I stayed at a place called Sheen in um, Pontville. Yeah, a two story mountain and. Old gentleman owned it, and he would have been eighty plus at the time. This is pre Sheen being redeveloped. Pre Sheen yeah. being redeveloped, and 
I don't believe in ghosts, but if that place wasn't haunted, I <laughs> <laughs> heard a few voices and there was, there, there was not a lot of sleep occurring on that evening. <laughs> These homesteads around Tasmania, oh, they're extraordinary. Aren't they? yeah, that is it, just one. And you wouldn't have known it was there until. No, no, there's trees all in the Hawthorne hedge out the front, and you didn't know it was there. And, and of course, I was flogging advertising at the time, and I've, I've gone in to try and sell my wares, and I needed a place to stay, and I got the sale, so I stayed there. And, uh, yeah. Did, did, did you have much luck with the 80-plus-year-old uh, former owner? Yeah, I actually, actually oh, got the got Oh, <laughs> good. Well done. Good. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Now, someone coming to your hometown, which is Launceston, for the very first time in their lives, ask what's the one thing they must experience while they're here? Well, there's two. Two. Two you've got to do. And, of course, the first basin is one of them, so that's why I've got two. First, everybody needs to go to the first basin. And if you every time you come to Launceston you don't live here, you should go to the first basin and people from Launceston should go there anyway. And the other one is the Queen Victoria, Queen Victoria Museum and Art Gallery. It is a hidden, hidden treasure. Yeah. Um, Colonial paintings. Uh, all of it. The, the, the history that's in that place and, 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 and yeah, um, Launceston City Council will be commended to, to... Single biggest collection of colonial art anywhere in the world? Yeah, something, along those, some, yeah. something along those and, what, and we only see about... Fraction. Fraction yeah. of it. Yeah, it is amazing. But confirm you're not a golfer, but yeah. it, when you are, because even if you're not a golfer, everyone appreciates bamboo. Well, golf, is, what, golf balls are good balk. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> you are playing and losing balls at Bamboogle for one round. Well, we're not searching for them, are we? You know, we're not searching for <laughs> them. We're just, um, who are you playing with? Three people, living or dead, famous or not famous? Who's, who are you going for your frustrating round at Bamboogle with? Um... um I, I, I'm not going to change too much from last year because... I'm a, I'm a sucker for good leadership, so I'd like to have a, a round with Barack Obama. Oh, yeah. Um, Jacinda Ardern would be the other one. Yep. And the third one was probably my 17-year-old daughter, just so she could have some inspiration Jacinda. off those two. Yeah. yeah. Good answers. Um, I noticed Jacinda's in trouble in the polls, though, if you haven't noticed. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, you are advising on the program for the next Mona Foma Festival here in Launceston. And anybody who knows me that knows that that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. <laughs> but if it did, your dream music festival in Tasmania, who's the headliner? Well, we're in trouble. We want a, a 80s Australian rock, so we'd have to go with Jimmy Barnes. Um, me not all. Yeah. Mona Roma, yeah. Barnsy. Barnsy. Um, or it'd be pretty hot if we got Cold Chisel all back together too. So so maybe we do a set with Barnsy and if he's feeling okay, he could bring Ian Moss and the guys out too and we could do okay. a set Mona with Cold Chisel. Mona Fama 2023 headlined by the Chisel. Mm. You can see that. Now, Tasmanian AFL team, when it comes, I'm not saying if, it's when, mm. uh, what will they be called? Hmm. Well, the good ones have been taken because we can't say the devils, that's too obvious. The jack jumpers are ex- Brilliant name. Great name. Great name. I mean, yeah, and done a great job. Completely silly answer, the Nomads, because it's probably going to have a whole lot of recycle players (laughs) players coming on the first time, so the Nomads. And the Nomads a good name because they'll probably have to play home games in Hobart, Launceston, Queenstown, Burnie, St Helens, everywhere. Um, Just build a ground at Oakland's. (laughs) So we're tossing up the last big debate, the new yeah. big debate. Yeah. Last one was courage, man, in scallop. So this is a, probably a little bit more serious because this will really define mm. what you are as a person mm. and what is your tipple of choice. What is better, Tasmanian whiskey or Tasmanian Pinot Noir? Tasmanian whiskey. Whoa. And courage scallops are still a crime. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> Chris Davis from Van Diemen Project. Um, remember, if you're very interested in hearing anything more from Chris and his team, they are great. And as I say, they're very much ingrained in local small businesses and they work across the state. So what's that website again, Chris? VanDiemenProject.com.au or 63491919. And don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Talking Tourism. Remember to subscribe to hear more episodes as we release them every two weeks or so. 
Also, remember to tell a friend or tourism colleague to check out our podcasts. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, and today's episode was brought to you with the support of our partner, McDermott's Coaches. A big thank you to Caleb Miller at Mac40 Media, our audio specialist who produces these episodes. I'm your host, Luke Martin, and we'll catch up again next time.